take your Bibles to the book of Acts. And uh, I'm excited about this message, although I, I will tell you guys now that I am, we are stepping into some uh, really deep stuff this morning. And uh, I, I told you I wanted to preach and, and go through Acts and make application. And you're taking a transitional book from the gospel into the church era, the introduction of the Spirit of God, the exiting of Jesus Christ in the flesh to heaven, and, and the beginning of the foundation that would revolutionize the world through the, the, what we call the church. It, there's a lot going on. Here we are in 2017, taking biblical principles from that time of the transitional period, still have the Spirit of God, still have the power of God, and understanding how that applies to us today. So, Lord willing, I'll do my very best this morning to try to connect some of these dots. Uh, Brother Andy, just a minute ago, was mentioning about the hurricane. Has anybody else been kind of like stirred up in their mind and heart how much stuff is going on in the world right now? It's not, it's not just subtle. It's not just a little. It's not just at random. How many of you saw the reports uh, that was in northern Spain about the random, and they literally headlined the freakish, is what they called it, random, uh, um, oh my goodness, some golf ball size hail that they had. That literally flattened, and this happened this week, flattened like uh, flocks of sheep, knocked out windows, things like that just came out and, and happened. At the same time, an 8.1 hurricane, or 8.1 uh, earthquake that happened, then we have uh, Texas still recovering from their thing. Two more hurricanes out to sea, one hitting this morning in Florida. And you say, why, why is that a big deal? Because the Bible said very clearly that you'll see signs. And, and the, the thing is that the very beginning in Genesis, God said, hey, by the, by the way, this world is cursed. It's, it's sin is taking its course. And it's, people say, why, why? It's because it's infected. It, it's infected with with all of these things, and as we see these things come to pass, and I'm not doing uh, a message this morning on uh, end-time prophecy and stuff, but I'll tell you, Christians should wake up. Amen. It should be one of those things that we see these things and say, this is not normal. And God said, this generation shall not pass till all these things shall come to pass. And he, he told us that there would be a generation that will experience things that are out of the norm, and that are happening like this. And it's, it's not that we know the day nor the hour. But I believe we'll know the season that it comes. And we should be aware of that. With that, I, I, don't, I, I don't say this lightly. And I, I don't want to be cocky when I say this. But the world needs us. The world needs us. The church isn't just a good thing. It's not just a good place. It's not just a good atmosphere that we're trying to do. The world needs us. I, I will show you that over the next couple of weeks. And we talked about... Oh, God gave them the promise of his presence and the seal and he sanctified them and he changes us. And last week we got into the potential of the Holy Spirit and how in Acts 2, 4, he said they were filled with the Holy Spirit, literally overcome with the Spirit of God. And they began to do things that were not normal. Isn't it cool in a world that is not able to experience normal as, or as for these things that are going on of uh, hurricanes, God said, I'm going to raise up Christians that are able to do things that are not normal. We, we should be able to bring joy and peace in a world of turmoil. That's not normal. But that's Christ living inside of us. But there is a problem that we talked about. I, I, I can't give you my illustration. I can't preach through these points today unless you get this. God cannot shine or fill dirty vessels. He can't. 
And this is where people back off saying, man, I want spirit-filled services, and I, I want anointing on the message, and I want anointing in the service, and I want all this. And God says, I don't want clean people. God says, I, I, I can't touch dirty. I, I'm not going to be holy, for I am holy. God said, I will, I will dwell in them. I will shine through them. But God's not going to shine through your dirt. God's not. So we talk about why we don't have revival and things like that. And God says, I'll tell you what, you'll have the Spirit of God, but you better not quench, extinguish the Spirit of God. Give Him a place to burn. Allow Him to be seen. Then we talked about our purpose when He said, you'll receive the Holy Ghost. After that, you shall be witnesses unto me. Man, if there's something that I have to get you to understand, when they moved forward through the book of Acts, they weren't just going on a walk. They were on a mission. And if the church mission misses the fact that we are on a mission, we've missed the point of us being here. God did not save you and say, take them home, take them home, take them home. No, he saved us and said, go, go, go. And I think if we miss this and all of a sudden we make, we make church about worship and praise and encouragement, things like that, but we, we fail to be the witnesses unto me and all the world. And then they were in prayer together in one accord God did this work through the church coming together. And you say, why, why did you hold focus this? You're going to see as we walk through the book of Acts, it's not about a person. Because remember that, it's not about a person. It's not about giving glory to man. It's not about edifying an individual. And I pray that you have the right spirit as I get into this because I'm going to tackle some stuff that is contrary to culture today. In this passage, we finish up with chapter 1 before chapter 2, the Acts of the Apostles. Not all of the apostles, not all of the disciples had a victory story to them. I love how the Word of God tells a story and of itself where I don't have to finagle it to say what I wanted to say. God injects in the middle of this amazing story of them coming together, and he interjects this story and this reminder about somebody named Judas. Judas reminds us of the depravity of man. Judas reminds us of our sinful condition. It reminds us that we can walk the walk and talk the talk and miss it in our hearts and go to hell. Now, now I, I know it, it, should, it should be one of those times that we seriously stop in this first part and reflect in our hearts of what, what God was trying to tell us. Peter stands up and begins to remind them in the begin, at the end of Acts chapter 1 to remind them of the fall of Judas. Judas was one of the twelve. Judas was trusted. Judas had influence. Judas, Judas had position. He says in Acts chapter 1 verse 16, look at this. Men and brethren, he stands before them, the scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, the which was guide to them that took Jesus. Can you imagine them saying that in disgust? Can you imagine Peter saying Judas, and he's like, oh, that guy that guided them to Jesus. Now, I, I know that all of that had to happen and stuff, but for them to be betrayed like that, for he was numbered with us and obtained part of this ministry, I have to start here in this message, and I'm, I'm just going to walk you through here and show you, spiritually speaking, what we find in the book of Acts. What we find everywhere. It's not just the book of Acts, it's everywhere. 
Number one, we start with this, and I, I talked about this. This is the spiritually dead, so a little bit of this is going to be reviewed. But God says, hey, I'll give you an illustration of this. Let me tell you about Judas. Judas, Judas represented a lot of people that are here today. And I'm not saying that to be critical or try to figure people out. But let me tell you today, as I preach through this, every one of us fall in one of these three categories. And maybe today, one of the best things you could do is say, Lord, which one of these am I? And you probably figure it out as I go through this, just from the teaching and preaching that we've done so far. It does not say he was a believer, but that he was numbered with us. Let me tell you, today it would be like right now if I was to sit here and say, hey, I don't know the hearts of every one of you, but right now you were counted as being part of Fellowship Baptist Church today. Just keep that in mind. Judas was numbered among us. Put it in, we had 562 people in church today. He was numbered among us. He was part of the clique. He was part of the clan. He had a position. It even said and obtained part of this ministry. The ministry closest to Jesus Christ. The ministry that was part of what God was doing. So why was Judas chosen? Judas was the same as the other disciples. He was given opportunity. Jesus came to them and said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He didn't say, you're going to follow me or you have to follow me. It was an invitation. Let, let me tell you for everybody that starts right here that God extends an invitation to every single one of us. And I, I know that there's people that disagree with that. But Jesus calls out to everyone. The Bible says in Romans 10, 12, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the Lord is over all unto all that call upon him. Listen to this. For whosoever, Judas or anyone else, for whosoever, Judas, shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It, it is a choice. You sit there and say, why did, why did God call out the Judas? The same reason he's calling out to every person here. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But here's the other thing that I learned from this is not everyone will accept Christ. It's not all about what he did but what he believed. What is so confusing about the life of Judas is how well he played the game. And I know I've, I've preached on this and I've taught on this stuff before, but I'll tell you, when Judas got up from the dinner, nobody said, there goes the hypocrite, there goes the, the, the backstabber. Nobody did that. You know what they rolled into? Lord, <clears throat> is it I? Lord, is it I? He was a church leader. He was a teacher. He was a helper. He took care of the money. He was trusted. They all had the look. They all had the talk. But there's an important thing that we must understand. For the Bible tells us about Judas. Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth and shalt believe in thine heart. Do you know why God made it a heart issue? Because it, it had nothing to do with the works that Judas did, it had nothing to do with the look that Judas had. It had everything to do with the heart of Judas. Yeah, I'm a little passionate about this. Because I almost, almost went through my Christian life trusting in my good deeds rather than my relationship with Jesus Christ. My wife almost went through her entire Christian life trusting in her good deeds rather than her relationship with Jesus Christ. Because our minds play tricks on us. On feeling, of emotions, of a time. 
But Romans 10 said, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. It is a matter of the heart, not your deeds, not your knowledge, not your history, not how much you served in church. Salvation indeed is an inward thing that shines outwardly in our lives. Judas had made a choice to reject Christ. Acts 1.16, look at this. Judas, which was the guide to them that took Jesus. Judas, that consciously in his mind that went up there and said, hey, what would you give me instead of that? What, what, you, you realize that every one of us, you must understand, will make a choice in your life. When the Spirit of God comes up to you and taps on your shoulder and says, follow me, taps on your heart and says, believe in me, and you say, I'd rather have this than this. It is a choice and in Acts 1.16, in the middle of this introduction of the church, God comes out and spells out and says, let me show you the heart of somebody that was a fake Judas, which guided them. Judas that made a choice. And it rolls into verse 18. Now this man purchased a field with the reward of his iniquity and falling headlong and burst asunder in the midst of all of his bowels gushed out. And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem, insomuch as the field is called there by the proper tongue, Aceladama. It is today the field of blood. That was the end of him. He died in what he chose. That's why the Bible says, what shall a man profit? He shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. You say, why would you say this on a Sunday morning? Because let's be honest, why would God put this in the middle of the, the teaching on the, the birth of the church? Because God said that I know that there's a lot of people that are just like Judas, so close to Jesus and yet so far away. People will go to hell by 16 inches. The fact that they believe God in their heads but never believe God in their hearts. I'm not going off topic whatsoever when I say this. I am truly just trying to prove that God was trying to emphatically teach us a principle at the beginning of this message that people will go to hell. And if I'm going to say this in the middle of this, and have I, as I open up the message this morning talking about the changes in our world and things like that, I tell you what, there's going to be a lot of people from a church peel that are taken off guard about being left behind because of the fact that they did not truly know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. So I look at this, and I think of how many people are in here. Now, I'm going to get over here, and I, I, I can't wait to preach on this side of it. But I tell you, from outwardly looking, there's not a difference from these. To have the look and the act and the talk and the image of what, which means that all of us can learn to pretend, but not all of us have it in us. So I ask you the question. We talked about the filling of the Spirit of God, and we talked about how God comes into our life. Let me tell you, if God is in your life, just to give you a little self-test this morning, if God truly is in your life, you will be different. You will be. Because you cannot have the power of the creation of all mankind and everything that you see and everything that we experience living in your life, and you remain the same. You cannot be the same. My God is peace. When he came into my life, there should be peace. I'm not afraid of when God's coming back. I'm not afraid if I'm going to die because I know where I'm going. I ask you all today, do you have that peace? 
said, I wish I had that peace. But let me tell you this, that peace only comes from Jesus Christ in your life. If you have nothing in your life and you have no joy and coming to church is something that your wife has to make you do and drag you down the aisle and beg you out of bed, something is wrong. I tell every teenager, every young person, if there's no passion and everything that we talk about from the word of God is nothing but a list of do's and don'ts and not a relationship with God, something is missing in your life. It's not right. Judas dies. The description is disgusting. He bursts asunder in the mist and his bowels gushed out. We know from the Gospels that Judas went out and he hung himself. And then all of a sudden there's all this controversy about the fact that, okay, Judas, did he fall and bust out all over the place or did he hang himself? And I know this is gross, but I'm telling you it's in the Bible. Literally, the, the conclusion is simply that this dude went out and hung himself and hung there until literally just dissipated in that land. What will be your end? Someone that had it all and lost it all. You see, there's some reason that God put this in the Bible for us to know even on a day like this. Acts chapter 1 verse 21. Notice how this transitions. Wherefore of these men which have they came together at all these men of the Lord Jesus Christ went in and out among us, beginning with the baptism of John, verse 22, unto the same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be witness with us of his resurrection. They said, we need somebody else on our team that witness what we did, that can go out and be an eyewitness of what we know. And they appointed two, called, or Joseph being called Barsabas, whose surname was Justice or, or Matthias. And they prayed and said, Lord, which knoweth the hearts of all men. You see that even in interjected. God knows the hearts of all men. Show us whether of these two thou hast chosen, that they may take part of this ministry of the apostleship from which Judas had the transgression fell, that he might go down to his own place. And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias. He was numbered with the eleven apostles. God raised up another leader, another believer. God built the church back up. God knew his hearts. But we roll into this thing about what is Matthias and what is Peter and what is John. What are these guys? Because without a doubt, I know Judas. Judas was empty, although he had the look. But I'll tell you, the other guys were different because they believed in their heart. And God said, hey, I see down in their heart. I know the true them. And God knows the true us. God knew that they were saved. God knew that they were sealed. God knew the potential that they had. God knew what he was going to do. I told you guys last week, Luke chapter 316, how many of you did your homework? Raise your hand. Not very many of you guys. All right, we're going to do it together right now. Luke chapter 3 verse 16. John answered, saying unto them, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh and latch of whose shoes that I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Fire is a symbol of power. It's just talking about going from spiritually dead to spiritually alive. <clears throat> let, me, let me put this next thing into place of what God was teaching us through this. There are those that are spiritually dead, whether you look like it or not, that you have the look on the inside or the outside. And then there's that are spiritually alive. God came into your life, 
God, God came into your heart. You were baptized in the Holy Spirit of God. You were dead and given life. There is something majorly different going from death unto life. How many of you are saved today? How many of you know what I'm talking about? It can't be described. It can't be given out. It's nothing that you can even write on a piece of paper. You can give your testimony. But I tell you, when the Holy Spirit of God came into your life and he saved you, something drastically happened in your life. But that's not it. I'm I'm, going to go past this one because I need to compare these two pretty fast. It's not just about being alive that God was bringing us to. But it was being spiritually on fire. Because we come to Acts chapter 2 verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were with one accord in one place. Now this is cool. So how many of you guys know what the day of Pentecost was? Raise your hand. A lot of people said, I know what the day of Pentecost was. That's when they all spoke in tongues and all the people there. Until that happened, that was still the day of Pentecost, but it was, it, it, that's not what it represented. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost, but that's not what the day of Pentecost was. We talked a little bit in the past about the Passover. So back in Egypt, there was this thing that happened on the 10th plague. The death angel came in and killed the firstborn, broke Pharaoh's heart to the point where he said, let them go. God has a way of breaking people and getting their attention. The only way that they would be passed over is if they took the blood of the lamb and they put it on the doorposts up around there. And when, the, when they saw the blood, that the angel would pass over them and everybody in the house would be saved. That's symbolic today of Jesus Christ. When he sees the blood on our hearts, we know that we are saved and sealed and protected by what we did through our salvation of Jesus Christ. So we have this tradition of the Passover. But that's, that ceremony and celebration continues Fifty days after they left the Passover, they had another major experience that happened. The major experience that happened was that Moses went up on the mountain. He went to God, he met with God, and God gave him something to bring down to the children of Israel. It was the Ten Commandments. God said, this is what they're to live by. This is my commandments. And this is what they're to put in their hearts. This is what they're to know. This is important. That happened 50 days after. They would celebrate God doing that. They would call it the day of Pentecost. The day that God brought that down to them for them to know and for them to fellowship and have. This was a big day. But I'll tell you, God's timing is perfect in everything that that God did. The Bible says, and suddenly on this day of Pentecost that they were celebrating what God brought down to them, God did something else and there was a sound from heaven. As a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And I know in a topic like this, everybody's like, oh my goodness, what's he going to say? I know that this is one of the most controversial passages in the scripture. I know that this is one of those things that everybody gets on edge about what people believe. This is a, this is a passage that literally starts splitting people when it comes to denominations and where people stand. I think sometimes we get so caught up in what Jesus did or what God did that we forget why he did it. You guys know what I'm talking about? Sometimes we get so wrapped up in what he did or how he manifested his power. Same thing when when David dropped Goliath. It was proven that God could drop the giants in our life. But sometimes we're going out trying to physically figure out how to drop giants or whatever. It's, It's not the principle of what God was trying to do. God was saying, I'm greater than your enemy. Same thing is going on here. Don't get confused by the presentation and miss out on the purpose. 
God was choosing on this day in this way to show the power and the display of the Spirit of God. It was for us to learn. God is a visual God. Have you ever noticed how often God gives us visuals? God didn't just say, I love you. He sent his son to die on a cross and say, this is how much I love you. He didn't just say, remember what I did on the cross. He gave us communion to say this. He didn't just give us baptism or salvation. He gave us something that symbolizes baptism. He gave them on this day something for them to understand. And he scribes it in this visual way of the spiritual events. God done, has done this throughout history, and now he's doing it on this day when he introduces the power of the Spirit of God to them. And it says, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. There is something that we can learn throughout Scripture when we come to something like this and we say, what does that mean? This is not the first time that God took his breath and sent it upon the earth. When God created the world, he, the Bible says that the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the earth. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, and listen to this, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. God did something amazing. Something that, listen to this, that comes from heaven down to that which is dead and makes it alive. Something that comes from heaven, even what God did on the day with Moses and gave him something and said, go give them something to live by, which was the Ten Commandments. On this day, God's saying, I'm going to give them a new way to live, and it's not going to be by their flesh, but by the Spirit of God. Something that comes from heaven down to then. It was introduced as the sound of a mighty Russian wind. In Genesis, it was a pile of dirt, a vessel that was lifeless, but something that was amazing, that God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and a human being was born that had a living soul inside of them. See, in Acts, it wasn't a human body. It was the body of the church. God was breathing on the church and saying, I will make the church alive. The church was alive. The church was meant to be alive. The church was meant to be filled with the Spirit of God. The church was meant to be a living organism filled with the Spirit of God with Christ as the head, making a difference, not meant to be dead. It was a desire for God for his body, which was the church. And it says, and he appeared unto them as cloven tongues, like as fire, and it sat upon each of them. Again, this is not the first time we've seen something. The Bible doesn't say that they ran out, ran out of there burnt. They were not burnt. The Bible says it was like unto fire. Again, it's not the first time that we've seen this. God has worked this way before. Now, this generation's never seen that, that we're talking about on the day of Pentecost, but they've heard it. How many of you remember the story of Moses? As Moses is on the backside of the wilderness, and as he's there, he says, I see something that I've never seen before. He goes up onto the mountain, and there is a what? A burning bush. Moses approaches the burning bush, and he says, this is a little different. He said, I see the fire, but the bush was not burnt. It was the presence and the power of God that used the bush as nothing more than a vessel to display his power, to display his presence. It wasn't about the dirt it wasn't about the bush. It wasn't about these people. It was about the Spirit of God showing up and the power of God showing up in a vessel that he could use. Matter of fact, when Moses started walking past, what did God say? Stop, for where you're at is holy ground. 
will never understand how to get from this point of being a vessel with the Spirit of God to burning with the presence of God until we understand that our God is a holy God and He will not glow, He will not burn, He will not consume until it is a vessel that He can occupy and shine through. And I know that's the problem today. It's the fact that we are so filled with self we are so filled with sin and we are comfortable where we're at that we are unwilling to change to allow God to burn. We'd rather just be filled. We'd rather know that I'm on my way to heaven and then none of us want to be here. All of us who are here that are saved, but very few of us find the passion of the word of God living inside of us. But notice it says, cloven tongues, divided tongues is what that means. The power of was given to each one of them and it was manifested in such a way or demonstrated in such a way that God gave them power to do something they could not do. And the Bible says that every man heard in his own language. Notice it says it was like unto fire or compared to fire. Something powerful entered that room and gave them the do the ability that they could not do for themselves. The church was not only alive, the church was empowered. See, the power rested upon them to do what they could not do. Now notice how it rested upon all of them. This is something that's important for us to understand. It was not about a superman. It was not about a super preacher. It was not, uh, it was not about Peter. It was about God giving them the, the, the power to do something to bring glory to God and not the glory to man. I'm extremely bothered, and I say this unapologetically whatsoever, I'm extremely bothered when people take a movement of God or something of the Spirit of God and they try to turn it into something surrounded by a man. It's not about a man. I've seen the videos and the TV shows and everything else, like the men get out there waving their arms around like they're some sort of airbender superhero waving their arms, throwing the Spirit of God around like it's some sort of weapon. You are a tool in the Spirit's hand, not the other way around. God fills you to shine through you, not the other way where you're some sort of superhero throwing the Spirit of God around like you are in control. You are not in control. You are conduits. God works through you. God shines through you. You are not anything but a vessel. And there's a scary thing when all of a sudden people are flocking to a man when they should be crying out to their God. Their tongues were empowered to preach the gospel, not edify themselves. It was not a show. Somebody gets up and they're waving their arms around and things are happening. It's more of an issue with B.O. than it is with the Spirit of God. You can quote me on that. I stand firm on this. God displays his power in us and through us for different ways. Because God desires with all of his heart for us to make a difference. You know, I'm going to roll into the application of this. And I know when I got into this, I thought, man, this, there's so much stuff in here. But in Revelation 3.15, when he's talking about the church, he said, I know your works. Listen to this. That thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou were cold or hot. So because then thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Listen to this, verse 19. For as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. See, the church was alive. The church was empowered. 
But I'll tell you, through all of this, the church was impactful. Do you realize why the Bible says that when we allow the Spirit of God to work through a vessel that is a vessel under honor that God can use? The Bible says this, Let your light so shine before men that they may, what? See your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. It is never about bringing glory to man, glory to a church, glory to a denomination, glory to a movement, or anything else. It has always been that God said, I will shine through you, that they may see something different in you and experience a power about you, that they might see that is not Tony. I will glorify whatever power gave him the ability to do that. Let your light so shine. Let put it this way. May the spirit of God so shine. Maybe the power of God so shine that they may see you and be changed as a result of what God does. I'll tell you, when the people get around the word of God, when people get around the spirit of God, when the people get around the people of God, they should be impacted by something. But I'll tell you the reason that we make no impact today. Because we sit there and claim to have the Spirit of God and people get around and say, honestly, I'm not really seeing anything that's making me want this. Because the world is so dark, it is so lost, it is so confused, it is so perverted, and if they can't see your good works and see what is different, they're never going to call out on what you have or want what you have until they can see the difference. You think about it, let, let me draw your attention to this. Let's, let's just get really down to what we're talking about with this. Think about the whole principle of this. The fire that God said when he was leading them by fire through the Old Testament. When God said, I will put fire underneath them to spring up the sacrifice. When God said, I'll lead you out of the wilderness by the pillar of fire. Everything that God did said, there's a power that is happening in you. You realize the power that happens in you should draw people to you. And when people get around you, there should be a spirit. Can we, can we put it that way? There should be an attitude around you where they say, yeah, that's different. I can't see what's inside of you, but I, I can tell you that's different. In a world that is blind that they can't see, they should be able to walk there and say, you know what? That is different. And it's not you. It's the fruit of the spirit in you. It's the passion of God in you. It's the zeal of God in you. Let me show you what happened. God began to do something. Acts 2.37. I know I'm jumping way, back, way down and we'll get into this later. Now when they heard this, listen to this. They were pricked in their hearts. Here they are in that situation. And all of a sudden when they got around something, they were pricked in their hearts. And said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Do you know what that was? That was conviction that came from something greater than Peter. Peter had no ability to prick their hearts. Peter had no ability to change their mind. Peter had no ability to get into their heads. But God does. That is the Spirit of God working us in a way that we cannot do ourselves. Amen. Let me close. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, quench not the Spirit. The word quench literally means to Extinguish. Where are we at? Talk about quenching the Spirit of God. God says, I'll tell you what, I want to, but man, when your bad attitude or your anger or your cursing or your lust or whatever, God says, you're right over here. 
You're in the world with no impact on the world. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story of Elijah. It's not just about what God did, but what God was doing during this time. Opposition was crazy, crazy overpowerful. Ahab said to them, said of them, any Christians that raised their heads up, and I know they weren't Christians at the time, any believers, you kill them. One of them had something stirring inside of him. He couldn't stop, and he was drawn to Ahab, and he said, you are troubling the city, and how dare you? And he said, I call you out right now. And he said, what I want you to do is, he said, I want you to bring all your prophets that worship false gods. And I want you to sit there and ask them for the evidence that your God is real. And I'll pray down the evidence that my God is real. And we'll see whose God is really real. And they jumped and they screamed and they yelled and they went morning till night. And they did everything in their own flesh and in their own power to get their God to show them attention. And at the end of the day, they were cut, they were bloody, and the Bible says that their altars were torn down. And Elijah, if, if you got that verse, Elijah came near in 1 Kings. And notice what he did in that passage. It wasn't about him. He said this, hear me, O Lord, hear me. Listen, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God. Maybe we put it in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. That ye shall be witnesses unto me. That they may see your good works. Are you putting it all? It's all the same thing. And glorify your Father which is in heaven. Elijah said, God, I'm asking you to send the fire. Will you show up here? I'm just a vessel. I don't want to be praised. I don't want attention. I want to be conduit. I want to be the asker. I want to be the requester. But they need to see God. That thou hast turned their heart back again. Notice once again the direction, the target of them was the heart of man, which only the Spirit of God can do. We can all day long twist our kids' arms and you need to be in church and you need to do better and I've raised you better and all this other stuff. It's not going to change them. And for us dragging our kids and our family and the world into our church and they walk in and walk out and say, I don't get it. I don't get it. All you guys do is give up time when you could be out boating. You give out money when you could be buying more things and iPhones. You, you, get, you get to restaurants later for what? And they're like, I don't want none of that. But that's not what happened. See, God manifested. God displayed his power on that day. And show the next verse after that. And the Bible says, in the fire, the Lord fell. Yeah. It doesn't just say the fire fell. The fire of the Lord fell. Whose fire was it? The Lord's fire. Whose power was it? It was the Lord's power. It was it, it, another way that we put it today. It says that God showed up. God showed up. God showed up and God consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench. You know what it did? It had a massive impact on the people. Not Elijah, but the power of God showing up in a situation. And the next verse goes on to tell us, and when all the people saw it, nope, 
nope, wait a minute. What's that? I, I, I've worked with a lot of people before. I, I've worked with those that are wicked and I've worked with those that say they go to church, but what is that? Oh my goodness. Honey, I, I, I met this, I thought he was a weird guy at work, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you there's something different about this guy. When the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. However you want to work it, this is all I'm saying, is that was revival. That was the power of God. That's when everything began to change. That's when the direction of the nation began to shift. That is when God begins to do the work that I cannot do myself. So I'm going to tell every one of us here, we are one of these three here today. Every one of us. You are either the Judas, you have the look, and nothing inside. You are the saint that has the Spirit of God living inside of your heart, but there is no flame. And God said, I wish that you were either cold or hot. I wish that you were on fire. I wish that you were zealous. I wish that you were, they would see something in you. I wish God would be transparent in your life. I wish they could feel the presence of God, but there is nothing there. You're still going to heaven. God said, I wish that you would repent and be on fire for God that they may see you and bring revival for them to cry out and say, for the Lord, he is God. For the Lord, he is God. So which one are you? Spiritually dead? Spiritually alive? The spiritual one on fire? Heads bowed and eyes closed. If you are spiritually dead, I can't warn you enough. I guarantee you, Judas never woke up and said, I want to go to hell. But he did. Nobody here is ever going to say, I want to go to hell. But let me promise you, there's people here today that will go to hell without Jesus. And you can fool your mind and sit there and talk about a fuzzy experience when you were two. And I'm not saying that God can't save people when they're two, but I'm telling you, if it's not real and living and peace and joy, something is missing but I tell you that the rest of us I'm, I'm, I'm terrified I'm worried for the fact that we're praying for revival and there's no flame there's no fire there's no heat there's no change we're lukewarm we're stagnant we're in the middle we're crying out for fire to fall and all we have is a bunch of broken stones the world will never want it our kids will never want it Revival will never come until God's people get on their knees and say Lord bring the fire work through me and change the world. So whatever category you're in today, we need to ask God to fix us, change us, move us, or light us. But don't stay where you're at.